Today, we hear about, well, Satan in the Illinois state capital. Indonesia, the country, bans sex outside of marriage. American Girl Doll's latest book is, well, something. And a Virginia restaurant refuses service to a group because they're Christian. I'm Matt Odegaard, and this is Church Public. Welcome back to Church Public. I really appreciate you stopping by here today. We've got a lot going on, as I mentioned, and I just want to jump right into it and help you understand what is going on in this world. I continuously say something like, this is current events from a Christian perspective, because I want to help you understand current events, and I want to help you understand how you live those out. There's just a lot going on in this day and age, and I feel people are either paralyzed because they don't know what to do or how to do it, um, or they just want to ignore it completely, or if they are interested, they don't necessarily know where to go and how to get good information on just living this life and, and doing it in a way that that really helps them understand uh, the world and a Christian's place in it, right? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of news programs out there, and I won't throw shade on them necessarily, but they have a quote unquote conservative point of view sometimes. But sometimes the conservative point of view is, well, just as bad as the liberal point of view, just a little bit behind or a little bit slower. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today as well, uh, as well as some Bible as we get into this. So. We're going to get that a little bit, uh, but if you haven't already, hit the like button, the subscribe button, the notification button. Just hit all the buttons. If you are listening on audio, I love you and thank you. Really appreciate that. If you want to see this on video, should be on YouTube, might be on another channel if uh, if I get uh, out of YouTube. I don't, well, I don't know. I never know what's really going to happen. So at this point, you should be able to hear it on audio and video somewhere. So uh, thanks for stopping by. Like, subscribe, share this if this is helpful to a friend because I, I just I want this to be a helpful thing. Um, I do consider it a ministry. Uh, you can go to churchpublic.com support if you want to help out there. But I'm just trying to help you understand what it's like to live as a Christian in all of your life, loving God with your heart and soul and mind and strength. In other words, everything that you have. Okay, so uh, what I want to talk about first is uh, I've just titled this Social Rules for Christians. Social Rules for Christians. Well, sorry, that was hard to say. Um, because this is what I'm noticing. I'm noticing that the left is out of control. I mean, that's that's obvious. Everybody knows that. The left is out of control. We've got drag queen story hours and drag queen pop-up shows for children quote unquote family friendly of public school indoctrination, uh, which is an LGBTQA IP plus plus hashtag and critical race theory and climate change. And uh, you've got after school Satan clubs. I reported on that a little while ago, and those are still happening, by the way. I just there's too many things to report on. You've got Disney that we talked about over the last year for sure, um, putting LGBTQ and their not-so-secret gay agenda into their animated things. You've got trans athletes. Uh, there is this, quote, Disrespect for Marriage Act, uh, which actually we'll talk about because Biden just passed it today, um, and on and on and on and on. We know the left is out of control. We know that. And we know all of that is happening, but we have to be honest about the right as well. And I, I do need to talk about this for just a moment because I'm seeing it more and more and, and and we need to understand it because the right in some areas is not any better. I see, quote, Republicans and, quote, conservatives that have no idea why they're Republican or conservative. 
except that they don't want to be on the left, which is admirable. And I appreciate that. You see a lot of liberals and former liberals that have moved into the conservative party uh, because they're homeless. Uh, there's a couple of people who are who literally call themselves politically homeless because they're not conservative, but they're not left anymore. Um, but what it's doing is it's creating this modern right, this Republican, this conservative party that isn't very conservative. And you have a lot of people in it that just don't know what they're doing or why they're doing what they're doing. Um, and, I, and I think that's I think that's part of it. And we're going to talk about this Respect for Marriage Act in a moment because I think that's a good indicator. It's a good indicator that even conservatives, Republicans, are in favor of things like same-sex marriage, a good portion of them in the Senate and in the House and in America. Um, or you have popular, quote-unquote, Christian journalists who are arguing for things like Drag Queen Story Hour, which we'll talk about more in a moment, too. Many on the right have lost the plot. That's what I would say. They're headed for the same cultural cliff. They're just going there a little bit slower than the full-on left. For decades, the church pastors more specifically have not taught, um, I guess, again, I'll, I'm just calling it social rules for Christians, social guidelines for Christians, political ideology for Christians. This country was founded on Christian values. You can fight me on that if you want to. But I mean, I don't know if you can see it right here. I'm trying to see above my shoulder right here. It's hiding behind a Christmas tree right now. But it's a book about the Constitution written and and the the connections to Christianity that are in the Constitution. The most quoted book in the Constitution and the Declaration is Deuteronomy, of all things, in the Bible. Again, if you can't see and you're just listening, I'm holding up the Bible here. Deuteronomy is the most quoted thing in those documents. This country is and was founded on Christian values and morals. And right now, what's happening is we're coasting on the remnants of those morals gone by, those morals of the past, the morality that this country was founded on and existed for decades and decades and decades on, we're still coasting on that morality. We're coasting on the ideas of truth and justice and the American way. And the problem is when people now look back and say, well, we're just good because we're good. We're just just because we're just. They don't realize that that's actually based on a foundation. Again, if you're just listening, I'm holding up a Bible and, and waving it frantically saying, this is the foundation that our founders put America as an idea on. But now people don't like that. They don't want that. So these morals are largely gone from society's structures. God is dead, as Nietzsche once said, and now we're acting like it. It used to be that if you did something wrong, you would be punished for it. Now, that may not be true. We've seen that even over the past couple of years, especially if you're in a protected or oppressed class. You may not be charged, or if you are charged, your sentence might be ridiculously short. And unfortunately, in churches, rather than teach the Ten Commandments or the law, pastors, in a large sense, opted for some kind of soft gospel, a seeker-sensitive approach to, quote, unquote, win people to Christ through niceness and not so much repentance. Sin has been a dirty word in church, so it just wasn't said in a lot of churches. After all, it's the gospel of grace, right? Why bother with all the yucky sin stuff if you can just avoid it and teach all that later? I have literally heard pastors tell me that. 
the only problem is, and I've seen this over and over again in churches and churches and churches and churches across America, later never came. We didn't ever disciple those people that we won into the kingdom or into the church by fun and games and niceness. We never actually taught them what it meant to be Christian or what the depth of Christianity really is and the repentance that you need in order to follow Jesus. We've raised this generation of Christians in name only. They believe they're Christians, but they don't live like it or act like it or vote like it. And that should ring true for you. You should see that. You should notice that. Either you are a follower of Jesus and you act differently than the world and the world looks at you and goes, why are you the way you are? Or you're just like the world, in which case, are you really even following after Jesus? That's an honest question that you have to ask yourself and figure out, like, are you? Are you really following after Jesus? Are you really looking into what it means to deny yourself every day, to die to yourself and follow after Jesus, not do what you want to do? And the reason that I keep grabbing my Bible, pointing to my Bible, is we've forgotten to read it. Instead, we've replaced the Bible with streaming sermons and audiobooks from our favorite Instagram pastors. And because of this, we missed passages like Galatians 3.24. So then, the law was our teacher, our guardian, until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. In other words, we need the law to understand what our sin is. Yes, if we followed the Spirit of God fully and lived in the grace of God completely, we actually would not need the law. Sure, because we'd be full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We would have all of that fruit of the Spirit evident in every single thing we did. We would love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength, with our whole selves, and we would love our neighbor as ourselves. But the problem is this. What does that mean? How do we actually do that? Do you know what that actually means? Do you act out of the fruit of the Spirit all the times, at every time of every day? I know I don't. I rely on the Bible. I rely on the Word of God, the Scriptures, the Law, the Ten Commandments to remind me what is good and right and true. Things like don't cheat, don't lie, don't steal, don't covet, etc., etc., etc. Yes, I know that we're not saved by those things, and I don't want to be legalistic about those things, but at some level, we have to know these things. That's why Galatians says, that's why Paul tells us in Galatians, the law is our teacher. It tells us what is right and wrong. It tells us what we're supposed to do. Again, we're drifting, we're coasting through this morality that was created when the founders based this idea on Scripture but now we don't believe in Scripture. The left would say they don't even believe in the Constitution or the Declaration anyway, so it doesn't matter. It's They say something like it's a living document anyway, and it just needs to change. It's just a remnant of the past. And what they're actually saying is they don't like the Bible that it's based upon, clearly. But the right, the conservatives, many are also saying the same thing. And that's where we get to politics. And I have to ask the question again. I've talked about this a lot, but we have to talk about it some more. What is the law for? Is the law supposed to regulate morality? And of course, I would say yes. And the left even says yes, too. The right, many conservatives, many Christians even say, no, we can't legislate morality. We can't tell others what is right and wrong. But again, hone in on that. The left says, of course, you can legislate morality. That's what they're doing. That's what they did today. We'll talk about this in a minute when we look at some headlines. But Biden signed into law the Respect for Marriage Act codifying same-sex marriage. They used the law to enforce their morality. That's what they're doing. But for some reason, the right, conservatives, Republicans, and Christians say, well, we can't force our beliefs on other people because they have to, I don't know, live their truth too. 
But why would we say that? We don't believe that there are two truths. We believe there is truth, and Jesus is the truth. I mean, that's what Christians do believe. And if you're conserving something, that's the thing that you need to conserve, the actual truth, period. There is no your truth, my truth, what truth. It's just truth. There is just truth. But then we get into this weird place where we don't want to enforce this reality that there is truth. But at some level, you have to. Why would we not tell others what is right and wrong? Isn't it bad for us to not say that there is truth? Isn't that even the point when Jesus says, go and make disciples, teaching them about Jesus? I mean, like, this is the whole point of why we're Christians. We're supposed to tell other people the truth. Why would we not tell other people the truth? And you say, well, that sounds judgy. Maybe if it sounds that way, I don't know what to tell you. The more serious question is, if you don't have Christ, how do you know what is right and wrong? Really, that's that's an honest question. How do you know what's right and wrong if you don't have God, if you don't have Jesus, if you don't have the scriptures, if you don't know the law? My conclusion is you, you don't actually know what's right and wrong. Sure, this is, again, the coasting out of the morality that we've been in. You may have some vague sense of this morality, but if it's not coming from God, instilling in you a sense of every person's divine worth, why would you think of others more highly than yourself? Why would you love your neighbor as yourself if you don't think your neighbor is better than you. My contention is you wouldn't. Uh, our motto for this culture, again, is you be you, live your truth, follow your heart, all of those things. And all of those phrases are, are not for the betterment of society or one another. They're for the good of yourself. All of those phrases are all about you. <laughs> and the ultimate extension of all of this is the culture which we live in now. That's just what we are in. I mean, it's it's undeniable. Trans ideology, sexual fluidity, teaching children to choose themselves above all, all the time from a young age, all of this uh, gender confusion, all of the gender medical transitions, you get into victim culture, critical race theory, all of the critical theories, and of course, abortion, because abortion is the ultimate expression of individuality. Abortion is the ultimate expression of individuality, aka pro-choice. It's literally called pro-choice because my choice is to live over my baby's choice to live. That is what abortion is. I'm choosing me over anybody else, including a baby that's living inside me. That is abortion. It's the ultimate act of individual choice. But that's not the gospel. That's not morality. Morality is not you choosing you. That's Machiavelli saying you do the best you can. That's natural selection. That's the, the, the law of survival of the fittest, which is not great for humanity. We've seen that happen before, and it is really, really bad in humanity. And most people would agree when you get down to that, but for some reason, we just throw that out the window when it comes to actual reality and actual laws. So yeah, I would say we should try to legislate morality. In fact, I'd be stronger and say we must legislate morality because all the good wishes and hopes and and waiting for the world to change just isn't going to change anything. We have to act, but we have to act justly. To know what is just, of course, I'm going to point back to the Bible and say the only way you can know what is just is to read about what is just and where that comes from and who that comes from in God through Jesus. The founders of America knew this. Again, it's written into the very documents that created this nation. Remember, protecting inalienable rights endowed by our creator? That's in there. How do you protect rights? You create laws to protect them. This isn't rocket science, and yet for some reason we're averse to doing this or even talking about it. Or when you do, you say, ah, don't legislate your morality on me. We have to. We have to start doing this, and we have to be brave and courageous to say, well, yeah, 
there are different ways and one way is better than another. Clearly, it just is. So with all that said, let's look at some current events from a Christian perspective. All right, so uh, this day, Biden signed the Respect for Marriage Act. So uh, I'm going to read a couple of things here from that one, and we'll get through that. So uh, President Biden invited drag queen Marty G. Cummings to attend the signing of the Respect for Marriage Act at the White House. Both the House of Representatives and the Senate have greenlit the legislation which enshrines same-sex marriage protections into federal law in accordance with Oberfeld versus Hodges. We talked about that the other day. There are many, many dozens of Republicans who voted for this. Again, that's that's the point that I was making earlier, that Republicans have lost the plot. They've lost the way. They don't know what they're conserving. And if you're not conserving family, marriage, man, woman, I don't know what you're conserving. You're just going to the same destination, maybe at a slower pace, or maybe even not. Um, the drag queen Cummings said, quote, to be a non-binary drag artist invited to the White House is something I never imagined would happen. Grateful doesn't begin to express the emotions I feel. Um, I'll just go on to say here, um, where is this from? This is from the Daily Wire. Um, the ceremony included Washington elites, activist musicians, drag queens, and the president's signature codified this marriage into law um, after the Democrat-controlled Congress passed the legislation with the help from some Republicans. Um, this is this is an important point. The bill repeals the 1996 Defense of Marriage Act, DOMA, that legally defined marriage as between one man and one woman, which, by the way, was signed by Bill Clinton. Interesting. Um, and it permitted states not, this is the Defense of Marriage Act, permitted states not to recognize same-sex unions from other states. Now this new bill makes you, compels states to recognize marriages from other states. So um, let's see, is there anything else I want to read out here? Majority of Republicans opposed the bill, arguing it would pose risks to religious freedom. I talked about this the other day. It's important to continue and talk about that. Uh, Senator Mike Lee, Republican of Utah, said the bill's potential consequences on religious freedom were, were not obvious, but legal experts have pointed out a legitimate risk. Um, so without robust protections in place, federal recognition of same-sex marriage could read against the backdrop of various federal statutes, the way they have been interpreted by the Supreme Court, inflict harm on those whom, for reasons rooted in sincerely held religious beliefs or moral convictions, do not embrace same-sex marriage. Senator Lee, Marco Rubio, James Langford, all proposed amendments to the Respect for Marriage Act that would specifically include protections for anyone with a religious belief or moral conviction that marriage belongs to one man and one woman. Hear this part. None of their amendments passed. And I think that really says it all, right? That says the thing that you need to talk about, that these Republican senators said, hey, if you just put in these amendments that say you're not going to go after religious organizations, you're not going to go after nonprofits, you're not going to go after people who are expressing their religious beliefs, then we'll say, okay, which I have issues with, but at least that's something. Those were denied. Those were not included. So that gives you the plot. It gives the plot away. They want to go after these religious groups. They want to go after these religious organizations. And now that the president has signed it, we're going to see what happens. I don't know. No one knows what is really going to happen. But 
we're going to have to wait and see and pray that uh, those that are tested through this will hold their ground. All right. Um, next story. And this <laughs> is just, I don't know. I got, I got to share this story, but it's kind of a weird story. So um, this is a story about the Illinois State Capitol. Um, and inside the Illinois State Capitol, there, there is a display of a nativity scene. I think I have it here. Give me, uh, give me a second to pull that up. Um, so let's do this and pull that up for you. Okay, so inside the Illinois State Capitol, again, if you're not watching, I'll just describe for you. It's fine. Um, it's just a nativity scene, right? You got Mary and Joseph, you got the baby Jesus in the middle, little manger, uh, the barn, you know, like scute, whatever. Um, okay, so fine, you know, fine. And then next to that, because we're all inclusive now, is the menorah. So you have a Jewish menorah talking about Hanukkah, and and, and we're just describing. Uh, it's just a large menorah um, in here. Now, here's here's where the story gets weird, and I'll, I'll read it and uh, and show you the picture at the same time. Inside the uh, Illinois State Capitol sits a display of several religious exhibits for the holiday season, which include Jewish menorah, see that right there, Christian nativity scene, see that right here, um, and <laughs> I'll show you this one, the serpent from Genesis from the Satanic Temple. <laughs> I, I don't even... That's, uh, Truth is stranger than fiction. Anyway, so um, I'll, I'll read from this article again, uh, according to local radio media, consisting of a leather-bound copy of astronomer Nicholas Copernicus De Revolution Omnibus Orbium Coliseum, which translates to On the Revolutions of the Heavenly Spheres, at the center of the display with handcrafted knitted apples and a 12-foot serpent orbiting the book. The controversial imagery marks the fourth year in a row the state's capital rotunda in Springfield has showcased displays from the Illinois Satanic Temple. I think I have a closer up here. So here, again, if you're not watching, it is, I, they say knitted, looks like crochet to me. Hey, I don't know. Uh, either knitted or crocheted snake that is sitting on top of apples uh, and sitting on top of this book from Copernicus, who, again, uh, thought that the earth revolved around the sun, not the sun around the earth, and he was uh, tried as that. But he also, I believe, was a good Catholic. So um, this kind of falls flat in terms of the whole Satanist thing. But but um, he here's the thing. Here's the thing that we, we, have, to, we have to get to with this. Um, we... You... Illinois and the capital and, and many people, um, their thinking here is since we allowed Christianity, since we allowed Judaism, we have to allow the satanic temple to also put their thing up. And they're wrong. I, I, I'm going to tell you that they're wrong. Um, the, you, you know, you, the Illinois is staying is saying, excuse me, Christians and Jews get the nativity and the menorah. So Satanists get a display. But but no, they don't. They, they don't. And, and why? You're saying, well, no, everybody gets. Again, this is the UBU, live your truth, because Satanists don't have the right to put up their display. And, and the reality is, even history bears this out. Um, I just did a little bit of research on this. I think I pulled one up here. Let's see if I have it. Um, this is, I believe this one is the the uh, the charter for Massachusetts. I think it was Massachusetts. I should have written it down. But it, it says, an act against atheism and blasphemy. Um, it is a law. Um, enacted in 1697 that atheism and blasphemy actually are punishable by jail time. Um, believe it or not, right? This is a state. And I know that's, that's before the United States. So it was a colony at the time, whatever. But, but 
many states have this. I, I looked, I found, I found several of the original states had something like this. You, you, you should check. Your state may even have an anti-blasphemy law. Look it up. Uh, because religious freedom doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want. It, it, it doesn't mean whatever you want to believe. Religious freedom is about religion. <laughs> this is the thing that, that people just, I, I, it's, it's so funny to me that they, they just get really confused on. Religious freedom is not about whatever you want to do. That that's what that's what the argument is, and it's this weird like libertarian thing. Like again, it's back to this UBU: live your truth. If you believe whatever you want to believe, that's fine. Just go ahead and believe whatever you want to believe, and that is fine. But there are consequences to your actions. That's the thing that we just like forget about. Don't don't understand. Don't want to understand. You, religion, by definition, is worshiping God, giving to God service and worship that he deserves. Religion is not anything you want. We have religious freedom that give various groups different ways to worship. Uh, and again, part of the religious freedom, I'm pointing to my Bible, but but the constitution behind me, part of the religious freedom that you have is because there were many different denominations in different states when this country was founded. You had Methodists and Lutherans and Catholics and, um, and uh, other... Again, lot Presbyterians, you had lots of ones, and they didn't want any of those being discriminated against. And we also give a lot of space to um, to Jews and, and Muslims, etc. But these are all religions because they all center around God. Now, some of them may not be the actual God. That's an apologetic lesson for another day. But the reality, and even self-described reality, is that Satan is not God. <laughs> even the proponents of Satanism admit that Satan is not God. This is the problem. The Satanists, they either deny God outright as atheists, or they hate him outright as some kind of atheists, or at least agnostics. This is not religion, it's irreligion. It's not religious, it's irreligious. But the problem is we're so relativistic, and back to the thing I said before, individualistic, we're such individuals that we can't see the difference between a religion and not a religion. Christianity, even Judaism, can have a place inside of this capital, this state capital, because they're both religions. Satanism is not a religion, though it functions like one, sure, but it's not because they don't worship God. Religion is about God, period. But we're all just so, such relativists now. You get people like David French, who argued um, a couple of years ago that we have to allow Drag Queen Story Hour because it is a, I think he said, quote, blessing of liberty or something like that. Uh, you can quote me on that. I'm probably, I'm probably close or paraphrasing anyway. It doesn't matter. The, the reality is you can, you can go look up the article if you want, but, but, but this argument is not a good argument because this argument is not about religion. Religious freedom allows different um, perspectives on God, but it doesn't allow atheists and irreligious people the same privileges. So no, they shouldn't be allowed in the state's capital as co-equal with another religion because they're not. And and the reality is, I mean, it's it's really funny because it, like the, let's see, do I have it here again? I'll pull it up later. But anyway, the 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 picture is the snake and the apple, right, going back to the garden. So even in their attempt to alienate God and to get God out of the picture in their in their worship of Satan or whatever they're doing, they're actually including God in it where Satan comes to the humans and says, we shall be like gods. Like that is the the in, in Genesis, that is the story when the serpent 
the devil comes to Adam and Eve and, and, and talks to them. He says, did God really say this? You'll be like gods. Um, so even in their trying to eliminate God from the, the world, they're including God in the story of the world, but that's a that's a side issue. Anyway, uh, I just thought that was a that was an interesting little issue that came up, and um, and they were wrong. So I thought uh, I thought we should we should talk about that. All right, um, what is next? Oh, uh, I mean, this is a weird one, but we have to talk about this one. So Indonesia, <clears throat> okay, um, Indonesia. <laughs> this article from Reuters. Uh, I'll, I'll just read part of it. Indonesia has banned sex outside of marriage. Um, so this one picked up a little bit of uh, a little bit of note uh, around the interwebs. Uh, it's a couple weeks old now, I think. Um, but but I still think it's I, th- I think it's important. I think it's important to look at from a moral perspective, from a Christian uh, perspective, so that we understand the Christian worldview involved here. Indonesia has said no sex outside of marriage. Um, in the Reuters here. Let's read a little bit of this article. Uh, it says, uh, Indonesia bans sex outside of marriage in a new criminal code. Uh, Indonesia's parliament bans sex outside marriage with punishment of what one year, up to one year, in jail. Lawmakers approved the new criminal code, which will apply to Indonesians and foreigners and prohibit cohabitation between unmarried couples. <laughs> I love this article. It's so great. It goes on to say, U.S. Ambassador to Indonesia, Sung Kim, said... Criminalizing the personal decisions of individuals would loom large within the decision matrix of many companies to determine whether to invest in Indonesia. All right, that was a lot of gobbledygook to say he's worried that people won't visit Indonesia because they won't be able to go there and have sex outside of marriage with the penalty potentially of jail. Right. Um, Another person, let's see, the U.S. State Department spokesman Ned Price said, but we are concerned regarding how these changes could impact the exercise of human rights and fundamental freedoms in Indonesia. We're concerned how this law could impact U.S. citizens visiting and living in Indonesia, as well as the investment climate for U.S. companies. Again, it's the United States and it's other these Western countries looking at a country like Indonesia and going, hey, we're progressive. We've gone beyond this silly book, these silly laws where marriage is between one man and one woman. Marriage is whatever. Well, marriage isn't even anything. So you don't have to get married or just have as much sex as you want with whomever you want all the times you want. As long as you have consent, that's the only thing that matters. This is what the culture is saying all over the place. And Indonesia is like, well, no. That's not right, and we're not doing that, and now are doing laws based on that. Which, again, if you look back in American history, we have many laws just like that as well. You may even, like, look at your state today. You may even have in your state a law on the books right now that has something like marriages between one man and one woman. I, I, I almost guarantee most, most states had that at some point in time. <clears throat> so uh, continuing on this writer's article. Albert Aries, a spokesman for Indonesia's Justice Ministry, said new laws regulating morality were limited by who could report them, such as a parent, spouse, child, or suspected offenders. The aim is to protect the institution of marriage and Indonesian values. Exactly. That's exactly right. Because the institution of marriage is a thing, and you can't just make it up whenever you want to. This is what we've been talking about. Uh, Let's see. I'll read... I'll read just one more little part here. <clears throat> These laws are part of a raft of legal changes that critics say undermine civil liberties in the world's third largest democracy. Other laws include bans on black magic. <laughs> I love that thrown in. Also, uh, witchcraft and black magic are bad, so don't do those things. <laughs> I just love that. Uh, yes, right. So, I, I mean, I would agree. Don't do 
magic. Um, I just think it's so funny that, um, you know, they're saying these laws are regulating morality. We just talked about that, right? That's why I started with that. So we would understand this foundation of morality and <clears throat> they're impacting human rights. Of, of course they are, right? That's the point. These impact human rights. Their point is because they're progressive, the human rights have gone beyond biblical values, cultural values, the definition of marriage for all of time up until recently. And now we've progressed into the place where my rights are different now. So I don't have to do the things you want me to do. I can just live however I want. That is the reality of where we are. But the reality is marriage is a thing. Marriage is between a man and a woman. Marriage is not, well, anything beyond that. Even though Biden would say that, the Senate, the House, uh, the culture, the politicians, the celebrities, the academy, the schools, everyone else would say marriage is whatever you want to make it, but it's not. And and you can argue all day, but the reality is you can't change that definition. I know you want to, but it doesn't change what it actually is. I even saw today in a dictionary that the, the definition of woman has been changed. The definition of woman in this dictionary, the Cambridge Dictionary, is now um, a woman or a, a person who identifies as a woman even though they were born as a male. <clears throat> this is just where we are. But the reality is marriage is between a man and a woman, and laws are moral. You, you can't get away with that. All laws are moral, even traffic lights. We've talked about this before, because if you have the potential to injure another person, you're talking about morality regardless. Laws are moral. They always have been. But the, but the deeper thing is that, yes, marriage matters, law matters, theology matters. Theology is the thing that really lays at the bottom of all this. That's the study of God, the study of following after God. And practical theology is applying that study to how you live your life, which is what I'm trying to help you understand here. Theology does matter. I'm going to vote for Christian theology because I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, <clears throat> which we celebrate at Christmas. Merry Christmas. But in Indonesia, as an interesting point, if you missed this, they're not talking about Christianity. They're talking about Islamic or Muslim theology, which is a different thing. It's a different thing altogether. And that is that is different. And and while they went about this in a way that maybe I wouldn't have and, and maybe it will work or maybe it won't or maybe it will end up with bad consequences, I don't know. But the reality is I applaud them for taking some steps, as they say, to protect marriage because at this point we've got to do something. Theology matters and theology affects morality it affects politics, and it affects your day-to-day -day life. All right, let's keep going. i got a couple more before we close. If you've been with me this far, I really appreciate it. Hang in there for some good stuff at the end. Okay, um, I just have to talk about this really quick. Um, I don't have a picture of it, and that's probably okay, but American Girl doll, if you know American Girl, I used to live close to Chicago where I believe it was founded. Went to the store a couple of times there when my daughter was a lot younger. Had a couple of American Girl dolls for her. Uh, and so we got rid of those a long time ago. My daughter is very, uh, is, is older now, so not, not into those, but I, I would be strongly, um, I would be strongly uh, thinking about throwing them in a fire at this point. Anyway, so American Girl Doll, this is, uh, according to, where do I find this? Dailymail.com. Um, American Girl is accused of stripping away all innocence in a book that teaches children as young as three years old how to change gender by asking doctors for puberty blockers. Yes, so American Girl Doll has released a new book, and this book tells little girls how to change their gender. 
Oh, Lord Almighty. Yep. So, uh, continuing on this Daily Mail article, the popular American Girl doll brand is facing backlash for pushing children as young as three into changing their gender. A Smart Girl's Guide, Body Image is the name of the book, contains lines that give advice to prepubescents on how to change their gender without their guardian's blessing. Parents have since slammed the book as deceptive and dangerous. A passage in the book marketed to girls aged between three and 12 advises. Quote, if you haven't gone through puberty yet, the doctor might offer medicine to delay your body's changes, giving you more time to think about your gender identity. End quote. Again, in other words, grab some puberty blockers because you should change from a girl to a boy or something. Uh, this article says it also goes on uh, to provide a list of resources and organizations that children can turn to if you don't have an adult you trust. So not only is this book this brand saying to young girls as young as three, hey, you might want to transition your gender. Here's a list of areas to go to, some resources to help you with your transition without telling your parents. Great. Uh, in the book, it normalizes being transgender, pushes children to use puberty blockers. It says, quote, parts of your body may make you feel uncomfortable and you may want to change the way you look. Um, and it says that's totally okay. It goes on to advise children, quote, you can appreciate your body for everything it allows you to experience and still want to change certain things about it. On this page, it promotes use of puberty blockers, telling girls to seek them out from their doctor if they feel confused. And the book tells readers, if you don't have an adult you trust, there are organizations across the country that can help you. Turn to resources on page 95 for more information. This is infuriating to me. Hopefully it is also infuriating to you. This girl doll brand wants to take your sweet little girls and give them medical treatment to transition them or try to transition them into another gender, even though that's not that not possible. Um, again, this is the kind of thing like we need to legislate against this. We need to speak about this. Uh, I'm not a legislator. I'm not going to be in that field. But for those out there that are, these are the types of things that you have to figure out. You have to make changes and make choices to help this community, your family, your community, your church, your your expanded reach change these things because this is just not good for society. Um, all right, moving on from American Girl, I got one more and then some closing thoughts. Um, read about this one, Virginia restaurant refuses to serve a Christian organization because the Christian organization is pro-life and pro-marriage. You know, the man and woman kind not the other kind that we've been talking about. So, all right, this is out of uh, Yahoo News. I'm sorry, this is Today News. Uh, Virginia restaurant has found itself at the center of a controversy after refusing to serve the conservative organization, conservative Christian organization, over the group's opposition to abortion rights and same-sex marriage. November 31, Richmond restaurant Metzger Bar and Butchery canceled a reservation for a private event from the Family Foundation, first reported by Virginia Business. Uh, and I'll show you, let's see, do I have this slide here? I'll show you this slide, uh, or maybe I won't hang on. Let's try her again. All right, there we go. So this is the slide from Metzger bar. I'll read this to you. Metzger bar and butcher has always prided itself on being an inclusive 
environment for people to dine in. Eight years of service. We have very rarely refused service to anyone who wished to dine with us. Recently, we refused service to a group that had booked an event with us after the owners found out it was a group of donors to a political organization that seeks to deprive women and LGBTQ plus persons of their basic human rights in Virginia. We have always refused service to anyone for making our staff uncomfortable or unsafe. And this was the driving force behind our decision. Many of our staff are women and or members of the LGBTQ community. All of our staff are people with the rights. I'm sorry, people with rights who deserve dignity and a safe work environment. We respect our staff's established rights as humans and strive to create a work environment where they can do their jobs with dignity, comfort and safety. Um, and I mean, again, yeah, I don't I don't disagree with any of that. Sure, you can. You you can refuse service to anybody. I, I actually I actually have no problem with that. Here's the here's where the problem comes. Um, at the same time as this Christian organization is not allowed to dine at this food establishment because of their beliefs, the Supreme Court. I talked about this the other day. You can go and listen to it, Church Public. The Supreme Court is hearing arguments from the state of Colorado about potentially forcing a Christian web designer to make, force her to make websites for gay weddings, etc. So this Virginia re restaurant denies service to a Christian organization because those wanting to eat there are not inclusive. But their Colorado, the state of Colorado, wants to force a Christian website designer and a Christian cake baker and a Christian pizza maker to make their product for the LGBTQ plus community. It's just interesting to me, funny, ironic, whatever, that this all seems to go in one direction. When the Christians are the business owners, the Christians are biggest, and they must change their beliefs to appease the customer. But when the Christians are the patrons, they must change their beliefs to even be a customer. It's the Christians who lose every single time here, apparently. They are the ones who it's okay to refuse service to. It's okay to force them to do service that they don't want to and goes against their beliefs. This bar and eatery, um, they, they went on to say that this was in part because they felt unsafe. Just out of curiosity, and I've covered a lot of this, what organizations have been vandalized, firebombed, threatened this year with no arrests at all? None. I, I checked again. I have seen no arrests to these pregnancy centers, pro-life centers that were literally set on fire, vandalized, windows broken, bombed. No arrests on any of these. But yeah, it's the Christians who are very, very dangerous. Um, I think, let me see if I have this here. Um, yeah, I have this, I have this very dangerous looking, uh, this, this very dangerous looking uh, invitation that this organization sent out. Again, if you're not watching, you're, you're just missing it because this is amazing. It looks very dangerous. It is black with skulls and Satan heads and knives and blood. Oh, no, it's not. It's not any of those things. It's a beautifully crafted invitation. It's got some like holly berries and some some Christmas tree leaves or something. It's in a beautiful font. I mean, it looks like a wedding invitation. It, it looks great. This super dangerous Christian organization was denied service because it made the people in the restaurant feel unsafe. I just, I don't know where to file that. Like, this fear, I, I, I don't know. Excuse me, I apologize for that. This fear is just, it, it seems unfounded. And it's just, it's such a, it's just such a strange thing. Um, again, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on from that. And I'll, I'll close this up. I know I've gone longer than I usually do. So I, uh, I appreciate your, uh, your time listening to me here. All right.
morality is what we started with in, in legislating morality. Can we, should we? Um, my conclusion is that morality is something that will be decided. It'll either be decided by the courts or the public opinion. Um, and, and we're seeing that play out, right? We've seen that even in some of the stories today. You, you have courts deciding certain points of morality. You have the president deciding certain points of morality. You have restaurants deciding certain points of morality. And we look back to the founding documents that were inspired by the Bible that is the foundation of actual morality. Currently, this culture has a foundation and morality will have a foundation. But the current cultural foundation of morality isn't self. That's what we talked about today. This radical individualism that says, live your truth. You be you. The unfortunate part is the end of this individualism is it's just hate. I don't know how else to put it. It's just it is. It's hate. It's forced compliance. And the end of this individualism has to be that way because you can't make someone love you. That's just not how this world works. Everybody knows that, but we try anyway. You can't make somebody love you. You have to be lovely to be loved. But God is love. God is worthy of worship. He is worthy of praise. That is religion. We talked about that definition earlier. You don't have to love God or praise God or worship God. You, you don't have to, but there just isn't anyone else who is worthy of it. Not Satan, not even you. And that is a hard lesson. I, I understand that's a hard lesson, but it is. It's a hard lesson for this culture of individuals who just love themselves the most. The Satanists have to have their weird snake apple display in the capital of the state because they need to show that they matter. The LGBT cult has to force you to adopt their views through legislation now passed by the Senate, the House, and the President of the United States of America. But it still doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it real. It doesn't make it moral. There is still a higher power who says marriage is just between one man and one woman. Genesis 1 and 2 or Jesus in Matthew 19 and on and on. We don't need to worry or fear. I'm not afraid. I'm not worried. I actually feel really good that God is sifting things. He's shaking things up. I've been reading through Romans and it's a really good reminder of the fact that God is in control and God is going to do what God is going to do. What our job is, is to say these true things. God is still God. Jesus is the King of Kings. That hasn't changed. It's not going to change. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We celebrate Jesus arriving to the earth as a baby and Jesus came as the spotless lamb. But next time Jesus comes, he doesn't come as a lamb again. He comes as the Lion of Judah. It's going to be a different thing. Indonesia may have put laws into place about marriage and immorality, and I would say maybe for the wrong reasons, but with the right intention. We need to begin to understand that laws are good and can be used for good, and they help us understand what is true and right. The law is a teacher, Galatians 3.24. We talked about that earlier. And many of us, I believe, just need to be taught because we don't know. We don't understand. I hope this has all helped you understand what is going on in the world, what is going on from a Christian perspective and culture, and what is at stake. I would suggest, encourage, don't sit around waiting for things to get better because they won't. We need to act. We need to raise families. We need to grow churches. We need to influence communities and make laws to educate and protect one another. Because if we don't, we're going to get more of the same. And I, for one, am ready for something different. For Church Public, I'm Meadow Odegaard. I hope you keep the faith.